Well, the Detroit Tigers salvage a win on Sunday, uh, but it was on the back of a really, really rough performance on Saturday, and they end up losing the series over the weekend. We got a ton to discuss all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Sunday, July 24th, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked On Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team, every day. Uh, be sure to check out the Tigers broadcast on the SiriusXM app, by the way. Very easy. You just go to the SiriusXM app. You just search Detroit Tigers. And next thing you know, you're listening to the home broadcast, and everybody knows. We got, we got a great booth up there. So um, be sure to check that out. The Tigers drop a series over the weekend to... The San Diego Padres uh, lose Friday and Saturday, then salvage a win on Sunday. Three to one victory on Sunday. A lose by what, 11 on Saturday? They get the doors blown off them at home in front of a huge crowd, one of the bigger crowds of the year. Super embarrassing, to be honest with you. And then they uh, barely lose in a one run ball game on Friday. So, um, you know, I, uh, when I was doing prep for this show, uh, back when I first got this gig and I, and I, and I first took over as host of this show, I, for Monday episodes, I would do like each game I do like, Oh, Friday would be second segment one, Saturday would be segment two, Sunday would be segment three. And then I kind of wanted to veer away from that because I found that I was just talking in general anyway. And it was weird for me to be like, Oh, this person had a rough performance on Friday. And then, oh, look, they did really well Saturday and Sunday. So, like, who cares? Like, you know, like that that was old news at that point. So I wanted to kind of stay away from that and just do weekend recaps at a whole. This is by far the most difficult time I've had since going to, like, this new format that we've been doing for, like, over a year now. Uh, doing that and, like, staying away from the game-by-game recap. Because, like, the, the only time I, I felt this way... Because each game was so substantially different from each other, right? On Friday, you you go down 5 nothing, You claw your way back. You make it close late. On Saturday, you get embarrassed in one of the most pathetic team performances of the entire season. And then on Sunday, you, behind a fantastic performance from Alex Fiedo, you win, like, you were in command the entire game. And won, even though you only won by two runs, you won pretty comfortably. So it was just like that. I found a way to, I I think within my prep, like I found a way to navigate through it and not end up doing just like a game by game recap. But this was the first time, like I really struggled. I was like, hang on, kind of just want to do like Friday, here's Friday, here's Saturday, here's Sunday. But um, let's start in chronological order. So uh, Kevin McGonigal signed over the weekend and uh, a lot of people were really worried about that. I was not. Uh, this, this what that's why we didn't really talk about that whole saga on the show. Um, McGonagall, by the way, the the Tigers' uh, compensation round pick in the MLB draft uh, has officially signed. So that's great news. Awesome. Don't get me wrong. I, I think very highly of him as a prospect, but uh, I was never really worried about him not signing. Like 
Uh, That's a a premier draft slot. Like that is a very, that's high in the draft, right? Like that's a top 40 pick. And so I I just couldn't fathom that this front office just had no conversation with him or his agent and didn't have like a conversation going into the draft about like, if you fall to us, this is the kind of money that um, we're going to give you. Would this be enough to kind of stray you away from Auburn? Uh, like I, I, there was just, I don't know I, I didn't think there was even in the realm of possibility for him not to sign. So we never talked about it on here. I never really like freaked out about it. Like it, it really felt like a lot of other people did. So good to see he signed. I believe we're at 18 of 21 players that have signed, uh, in a very prep heavy class. So, uh, to the people that, you know, on, on draft night, we're kind of a little bit cautious about the signability of this draft class. It's looking good now. I know of one high schooler in like the our 18th round pick, 17th, 18th round pick, um, that is uh, that is probably going to go to school. But outside of that, everybody else is, is still either on the table or signed. So we're going to do a full recap of that once we uh, once the deadline for signing is passed and we can kind of just do a full, you know, we, we know who's signed and who hasn't. Um, so let's get into this weekend's game. So let's start with the starting pitching, starting pitching, starting, get it? Um, so uh, we can go chronological. Let's just do Reese Olsen. His final line on Friday. I I mean, it's not like the prettiest thing in the world. Five innings, seven hits, five earned runs, two walks, five strikeouts, two home runs against even the outs were loud. I mean, I mean, he was giving up some hard contact. That being said, I, you know, Reese Olsen, that slider is going to play like it really is. And I'm still really excited about the pitcher that he could possibly become uh, because of how effective that breaking ball is. But the biggest thing for me, for Reese Olsen, you know, there's a lot of hype around him right now. He looked really solid in his first two starts. Everybody's like really, really excited about him. And I am too. Absolutely. But I, I need to see an effective major league fastball. And it's so weird to me because it's 96 with tail. Like it, it's 96 with movement, but he just for anything cannot get strikes on it. He can't, he cannot get called strikes or whiffs on it whatsoever. And, and, and it's frustrating to me. I'm sure it's frustrating to him too, just because I, I, he doesn't have a, a good established third pitch to kind of like cover up the fact that he doesn't have a major league fastball at the moment. So until that happens, I'm going to be like cautiously optimistic about his future of being a like starting pitcher. I, I still have reservations about him becoming a, a, a bullpen arm long term. And, and that's not like a negative thing to say. Everybody needs relievers too. Um, the starters are, that's a, that's a very small group of pitchers that become major league starters, but um, like that's the only thing really holding him back to me. Like all those reservations I have would go away instantly if he just proved to have a consistent fastball at the major league level. And right now he just doesn't. He only threw 39% of his four seam fastballs four strikes to start off. So less than half of them were even in the strike zone, which is already kind of a, a question mark there. Um, only one whiff the entire outing and within those 39% of his four-seam fastballs that were actually in the strike zone, 100% Z contact percentage for the San Diego Padres against the four-seamer. Z contact percentage is simply just the percentage of con- the the percentage of contact that was made on that pitch that was in the strike zone. Z is for zone. So that imp- that means that the Padres did not swing and miss at a single fastball that was in the strike zone. They made contact with literally every single one that actually was in the zone, and that was less than half of them. 
That is a wildly ineffective pitch over an outing. Wildly. So that's the biggest thing for me. The average exit 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 velocity goodness on it was almost 100 miles an hour. Like they were just smoking it. Um, so yeah, that from a start to start basis, that's just what I'm looking for from Olsen. Uh, and that's his big like next step in development for me because the slider was fantastic. Seven whiffs, seven called strikes, a 40% CSW percentage called strikes plus whiffs percentage on the slider in the outing it is beautiful. That's a master class. So that's that. There you go. That that's really where I stand with him. Third pitch still kind of needed, but most importantly, need some consistent fastball effectiveness. Um, Matt Manning. Do we even really talk about Matt Manning? Started barely had one. We'll talk about that. I promise you, uh, in depth when we talk about the bullpen and the Mason Englert thing in segment two. But yeah, I mean, like he didn't really have one. If you want a quick Matt Manning uh, rundown, the first two batters were really bad. He didn't throw a single strike. Then he recovered really nicely, and that was his outing. It was like one inning of shutout ball with two walks. Cool stuff. Um, We will talk about that for sure. I know everybody wants to. Uh, So let's get into Alex Fido to round out the starting pitching performances, and then we will get into the bullpen talk and the decisions that were made on Saturday. Uh, But first, I got to tell you all about our friends over at Sleeper, if you want the chance to win more money with less picks, head to Sleeper where you can win up to 100 times your money on just two or more fantasy baseball picks. Uh, you know, Vlad's on a heater. He's a super fun guy to kind of hone in on during these, you know, daily fantasy games that Sleeper has. It's so awesome. It's so fun. And when you got a guy like that that's on a heater, it's really easy to go in there and and go, okay, you know, you play the more or less game. And uh, obviously, Otani's a really fun one. Trade deadline looming, about to start a series against the Tigers as well. Uh, so maybe that gives you more incentive uh, to think that he's going to do well. But it's really awesome. So if you want to win 100 times your money on daily daily fantasy baseball, head to Sleeper because they are offering up to a 100 times payout for an up to eight pick contest. Choose as many as eight players that you like. Pick more or less on your favorite stats like home runs, strikeouts, hits, and more. And get your picks right so you can win big. Use promo code LOCKDOWN and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. All right, everybody. Welcome back here. Segment two of Locked On Tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in, making us your first listen every single day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. I appreciate you all greatly. We'll be back tomorrow recapping the, I believe we have a one game makeup set against the Giants today on Monday. I think that's real. Then we have a three game set against uh, against the Angels afterwards as well. But I think we're about to play one game against the Giants. We'll talk about that later. We got to talk about the whole, the week as a whole is going to be very noteworthy and, and full of storylines. So we're going to talk about that a little bit at the end. But um, let's get back into this game. Alex Fido was brilliant. And. His final line was six innings, one hit, no runs, four walks, two strikeouts, I believe, off the top of my head. He he was great. And, um, you know, I also still think that Fayeto long-term is going to end up being a reliever. Um, but the reason I think that is because of inconsistency's sake, not because he doesn't have the ability to get anybody out when when he's on. Because he does. Um, but it, it's – there are way too many question marks and way too many just like ups and downs and peaks and valleys of uh, for inconsistency's sake from start to start uh, with him. And so to me, that screams reliever. Like, hey, this dude get anybody out 
but it's just a toss up of which like version of him you're going to get on pretty much a batter to batter basis. Once you get past like the third inning. So we've seen so many times, like when the lineup turns over, people have more success over him. And obviously in this outing, again, six innings of shutout ball against the Padres offense. We'll take it. Um, but yeah, d- definitely something that, uh, I, I, and look for the rest of the season, I don't mind giving him an opportunity. Like we got to see what we have in dudes. If you want to, you know, Hey, there's a slimmer of hope. Go for it. Like I, I, especially once we trade a couple of our starters, I, I don't have anyone I'd rather like, sure. Give him give him starting pitching opportunities. See if he can prove me wrong. That's just where I stand right now. That's all. So all for the opportunity. And he looks great in this one. That slider is is so good when it's on genuinely one of the better pitches like could be in the entire organization when it's, when it's located well and when it's really on. Um, okay. Let's talk about the bullpen then. Goodness gracious. So Saturday they lose 14 to three. And in that outing Mason Engler, I feel so bad for the kid. Mason Engler goes two and a third, 10 hits in two and a third out of the bullpen. Nine earned runs, one walk, one strikeout, and one home run against. His ERA balloons up to five four six. Um, so it's it, I mean it's obviously really unfortunate for him. Like I said, I I genuinely do feel really bad for him that they just kind of left him out there to dry and asked him to just wear it. I think that was pretty unfair. Um, we'll start with the decision to not bring Manning out there. Optically, it definitely doesn't look great that the Padres left out a dude that was in his major league debut after the rain delay. And he like looked fine after as well. I think he got a, did he get a quality start? Did he end up going six innings? Had the one three run inning. And besides that was, was pretty fine. It was on cruise control at one point. Matt Manning didn't go. Oh, he ended up pitching two innings, not one, but that didn't, didn't go back out there after the delay. In a vacuum, I do not have an issue with Manning not going back out there per se. Uh, Like that was an hour and a half rain delay. Um, If Manning's had a ton of injury problems over his career, I, 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 I understand that, again, like the optics of it are bad because of what the Padres did and, and whatnot. But like this dude had, was literally hurt like a month ago. I, I in in again in a vacuum I do not have as big of an issue with that as I do the management of Mason Engler that's where my issue lies not as much with not it not being Manning per se but Mason Engler clearly did not have it clearly I'm not sure I've ever seen an outing out of the bullpen where someone every single pitch was thighs or higher. Everything was in the top of the zone. Everything was belt high. And we've talked about Engler for a while, you know, at at the beginning of the season, he had some good outings, um, some good, like long relief outings and people got really excited about him. And, you know, we, we've been talking about all year. He just, he is another guy that does not have a major league fastball currently, like whatsoever. And so he has a plus changeup, I think, when it's on. But like, that's really it. And if, if you're not going to have a fastball out of the bullpen, 
you need to develop that. Like he, he needs to, if he wants to be a, a major league pitcher. And so we'll, we'll see what they do development wise with him and what ends up happening. But I think leaving him out there was just a, a ridiculous decision. And I'm the innings guy, right? I'm the one that people get mad at all the time. You should see the things I read. I, I'm the I'm the innings guy. That that's me. That that's my label. I'm the guy that that every single time a, a bullpen decision is made that the general public doesn't like, or that the fan base is upset with, or somebody's left out too long and people complain about it. Every single time I step in front of this coaching staff and I step in front of this 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 manager and I go put the X on me instead because I uh, I understand that innings have to be managed and, and that you need to get innings out of people and we had a ton of injuries at one point and it was really unfair to this pitching staff uh, during that time and I thought it was managed really well genuinely that's me okay. But I thought this was awful. I could not have disagreed with this decision more. A few things. One, this was a clear indication that you did not give a flying, flapping uh, about winning this baseball game. Not did could not have cared less about it. You would have you would have lead when England entered the game, a three run lead at that. And when it went south, you didn't care. Left him out there to dry. And again, I'm the innings defender. But why on earth are we prioritizing innings right now over winning the game we're playing in which we have a lead against a better baseball team? I thought it was absolutely preposterous. I could not have disagreed with it more. I have said that that AJ Hinch has managed this bullpen really well throughout this season. Uh, this is easily, it's not even remotely close, the biggest bullpen managerial decision I have disagreed with in this dude's entire tenure as the manager of the Detroit Tigers. I, there, you will never convince me any rhyme or reason or any possible angle to justify. What happened on Saturday with Mason Engler? He didn't have it. Okay. They're starting to cut the lead. Now it's a tie game. Now we're losing by a run, right? There was a three run homer, right? Now we're losing four to three. Now we're losing five to three. Now it's seven to three. And it just didn't matter. I'm glad we got our two innings out of them, dog. I'm really glad we got our two innings out of them. It's a problem you deal with later. And look, if you taxed your entire pen, if you went Cisnero there, I know he ended up giving up a homer later in the game anyway, but like if you go Cisnero there and you do the bullpen game, which by the way, you have been brilliant at all season. If you go bullpen game there and do a bunch of one inning relievers, guess what? Now you're heading into Sunday with a chance to win the series. And if you go to Sunday and then you have a situation where, oh my gosh, this is a close game. Worst case scenario happens. It's a close game. We're, we're uh, whatever. It's a tie game. We're only up one. We're down one, whatever, whatever scenario we want to 
you want to cook up. And all, none of our relievers we can use. We've used them all on Friday or Saturday. They're, they're all uh, out, out of use. And now we're hosed. Well, then you send Englert out there on Sunday. And whatever. He loses you the game. He wins you the game. Whatever happens, happens. But to just throw game two when you lost game one, made Sunday, like, not matter. You've gained no ground in the division, by the way. You're seven games back. You were five and a half back at the All-Star break. So to, like, the, I don't know. uh, I know that a lot of people have a different opinion on what was going to happen at the trade deadline. We'll kind of talk about that after the break here. But you've lost a game and a half in the division now. You were winning this game at one point. It's not like you were down 5 nothing. And sent Englert out there to get blasted. And you just needed innings. You were winning. And you did not manage the bullpen to win the game. You managed the bullpen to relieve some innings. I thought that was a big disservice to the team. The fan base that showed up. And honestly, maybe most importantly, to Mason Englert. All right. Let's keep the ball rolling. Got a lot still to talk about. Uh, we will do that right after this. All right, everybody. Welcome back here. Third and final segment, Locked On Tigers. I appreciate y'all for tuning in. Uh, be sure to check out the Tigers on the Sirius XM app, like I said at the beginning of the show. You can just tune into any broadcast. You just search Detroit Tigers on the Sirius XM app, and the home broadcast comes up. So from anywhere you are, which is super cool. Okay. So we talked about Englert. Um, also, the reason why people are like, why is this dude still on the roster? Um, he's a Rule 5 pick. So if he was optioned, uh, he would go back to Texas, and then Texas would be able to keep him in the minors. And if they also decided they didn't want him, then we could put him in our minors. Uh, but I think they're going to ride it out for the season. And I think he's going to be in Toledo next year. So uh, in order for him to get to Toledo next year, he needs to remain on the roster for the rest of this year. And I think that that is going to happen. So after the game, we can talk really quickly. Uh, roster move, we'll kind of flop that in offense on our itinerary here. Alex Vieto was called up and Brennan White was sent down. Uh, I really like Brennan White. He still needs to work on slider command. That's like the biggest thing right now. A lot of his sliders are uh, are, are touching way too much of the plate. So um, still, still really believe in the kid. He's got nasty stuff, but definitely needs to work on the command in a big way. Um, and I don't expect him to be down there for long. Uh, I fully expect after the trade deadline for him to come back up. So week and a half, I expect once, once the trade deadline, uh, happens and we trade away some pieces for him to just get the call right back up, but sometime, you know, few games, week and a half, uh, down in Toledo to work on some command issues. Um, apparently that's all you need, uh, if you're Nick Maton as well. So, Let's talk about the offense then, right? So the offense in this series, uh, I mean, it it certainly wasn't like incredible. Four runs, three runs, three runs. It's not great. Um, But they did attack some mistakes on Musgrove on Sunday, which was nice to see. Spencer Torkelson, I want to talk about. uh, He, in the last... 21 games has an OPS of over 900. That's really good. So nice to see that he's got eight walks in there. 
uh, has a lot of extra base hits in there. The slugging percentage is like creeping up to 600 in that time span. Obviously not on the season, um, but it's like since June 20th or I want to say, or maybe it's June 27th. Maybe it's a little earlier. Um, so yeah, good to see uh, the power surge. I, I mean, the home runs, he's got like six homers in the last three weeks. So most of his homers coming lately. That's always good to see. Could have back-to-back five home run months, I believe. That's always nice. So yeah, it's, it's nice to see him slowly kind of take these steps forward, even though it's not the immediate, just like flip of the switch. Look, he's uh, he's like an incredible 900 OPS guy and he might never reach 900 OPS. I don't know that that's pretty subjective at this point, but, um, for right now, I will gladly take some steps in the right direction. And that's what he's showing us. So yeah, it's like a, an average over 250 and a slug of, of almost 600 in the last, uh, three weeks of baseball. So we'll take it good to see. I mean, he was all over Musgrove to be honest with you. Um, the, the walk, there was a couple of hanging pitches like right down the middle that he just fouled off instead of crushed. Um, but I don't think he had a single whiff against Musgrove. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he was like he took every ball and 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 made contact with every strike for like the entire outing. So good to see that. It's a really darn good pitcher over there with a lot of spin as well on his breaking balls. Um, we got to talk about Javi and like I, I'm just I've really been contradicting myself because at the beginning of last week I said we weren't going to talk about Javi every single day, but he just keeps getting himself at like the front page of the news with something ridiculous, like every single game, it feels like. And I, I I just, I don't want to talk about it every day, but like we have to, it's like, obviously he has the air. He goes over three on Sunday. And like, I've said this a billion times in the last seven days alone. And like a trillion times this season, like it's all about just hitting fastballs. It, it's not the approach he's been at. He's had the same approach his entire career. He was a good player at one point with the same approach. He actually even striking out more than he does now, but he doesn't do, he's been awful against fastballs. I think he has one home run on the year against fastballs and none of them are pulled. He he's late on all of them. He follows off all of them. So like some people were were like giving me a hard time on on Friday and Saturday and we're like oh look it's like Javi's on a heater he just needed to get benched look like he he's got a few hits all breaking balls <laughs> or he was late on a fastball for one of them I think until he consistently starts hitting fastballs hard to the pull side I could give a flying flapping you know what about any hot streak he's on, because I know it's not sustainable. Again, unless he starts hitting fastballs again. Then we're back on the like, oh, wow, we might actually be getting a a decent version of Javi Baez that we paid for. But until that happens, it's not happening. That's all you need to look for. Don't worry about him swinging in the other batter's box. Don't worry about his approach at the plate or that he's first pitch swinging. None of that matters. You literally just need to pay attention to how he does against fastballs. And until he's doing that consistently, the rest could not mean less. I feel very strongly about this. Um, Trying to think, I mean, Riley Green's incredible. Uh, continues batting average around 300. He's like clearly not 100%, by the way. I don't know the extent. I I, I would like to think that the Tigers 
uh, as an organization would not like put someone who is at real risk of injury, like out there and play them. Uh, but, and he's like still productive and like good because he's Riley green. He's incredible. Uh, but I mean, like it's pretty clearly like not at a hundred percent and still has some way to go until he is. So we'll keep an eye on that. But I, yeah, just the next time Riley Green's getting benched against a lefty, just don't freak out. Just be like, oh yeah, like they're going to bench him like once a week, once every five days, maybe even uh, because he's like pretty clearly still uh, feeling the injury a little bit. Um, yeah. I, I mean, like, I don't know. It was a pretty, like, I feel like the offense wasn't the storyline of this weekend. I, I don't have too many like big stories to take from the offense. Jake Rogers is getting his batting average higher. I think he's creeping around 210 now. A lot of people used to get really mad at me when I would say, like, I didn't really care about Jake Rogers, like 180 batting average because he was walking a lot and hitting homers and was a huge plus defender. Um, so, like, I feel like we can all kind of agree a little bit more on, on, like, how valuable he truly has been. He legitimately has been one of the most valuable catchers in baseball if you use F war, fan graphs, calculation of war. Um, so, like, yeah, I, I'm really I, – I like Jake Rogers a lot, and is it, it's nice to see him accommodate those who might not have been on the Jake Rogers train earlier in the year by uh, by hitting a few more singles here and there. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything else to say offensively. I mean, four, four three, and three against the Padres team. The, the, the other thing about this weekend, one of the things that bothered me was uh, a lot of people were just like – on Saturday mostly – we're just like, oh, well, well, I guess again, uh, for Reese Olsen's sake, uh, you know, Friday as well. Like, oh, well, you know, this is a really talented lineup. Like, this was bound to happen. I promise you, if you said that to the face of a diehard Padres fan, they would slap you. This has been one of the most underperforming teams. Maybe the most disappointing team in baseball. Like, the most disappointing team. In the entire game of baseball. They're selling at the deadline. They're well under 500. You're only a few games back from the Padres record-wise, even after this series. They're like five under. Maybe four under now after the weekend. I don't know. Somewhere around there, though. They've been wildly disappointing. And they have their games. You can go back and look at their game log. They have their games where they put up 12. Quite a few of them. But they also consistently, at least once a series, if not twice a series, put up duds. Xander Bogarts has been a pretty big disappointment in year one. Juan Soto is is one of my favorite hitters ever as someone who obviously loves walks. He has one of the highest walk rates in the history of baseball. I love him. Machado, been good, solid, but like, you know, given the extension and what he just got paid, probably expected a little bit more. And the rest of the lineup's been like pretty objectively a disappointment. So I I just, it really bothered me hearing so many people just be like, oh, well, it's the Padres. Do you know what the Padres have done this year? I'm just, again, it just reverts back to the, the same thing we've said a million times on this show. I'm so tired of being every single game, every single team's get right game, man. It's so exhausting. Well, look how talented the Padres lineup is. Look how productive the Padres lineup has been. This offense has not graded out well this season. This has not been like one of the best offenses in baseball. It's been wildly disappointing. You dropped two of three at home. Um, Okay, implications as far as the trade deadline goes. I know we're running uh, to the end on time here. Um, To me, 
I don't know if like nail in the coffin is the right word just because like it's seven games back. It's not 10 games back. Um, the twins won on Sunday. You're, you're seven games out. And again, at the all-star break, you were five and a half back. And I had said in like the, the trade pieces show, right? I had said, if you want to prove me wrong, if you want to, to get people on board with not going into sell mode, etc., you need to go on a massive heater, like massive, right? You need to catapult yourself into the conversation of being a 500 ball club. Since the all-star break, they are what? Six and four? Six and five, one, two, three, four, five, six wins, and one, two, three, four. Yeah, six and four since the break. You have lost a game and a half on the division, despite being six and four since the all-star break. They're they're selling. And I don't mean fire sale, everything must go, Torkelson and Green are out of here. We don't have any bats anybody wants. <laughs> but like, I I don't see the point of not trading Lorenzen and Erod at a minimum. And probably Cisnero, if you want to get something, anything out of some bullpen pieces. The Foley and Lane conversation we've said a million times is different because uh, they have a lot of team control left. But I think that this weekend really... There was still a lot of people that were on the fence. And again, I love optimism. I I, I don't tell anyone how to be a fan. If you want to have all the optimism in the world and be like, no, we're still going to make a run, I love you. Please, please carry that torch because it's not going to be me and I think someone should always be the optimistic one, right? Um, But I I feel like for a lot of people, they either like switch sides completely to like, yeah, they're going to trade these guys or the people on the fence were just like, I'm leaning this way now. It wasn't as dramatic. If they got swept, it would have been as dramatic as like the Ottawa Senators back-to-back if you're a Red Wings fan, right? The Red Wings were kind of in the wild card hunt that had a back-to-back right before the trade deadline, like days before the trade deadline against the Ottawa Senators. Lost by, I think it was like 13-2 to or 3. If you combine the score of both games, got absolutely destroyed by Ottawa in both. And then every the whole fan base was like, well, we're selling, not buying. There it is. And I don't think this was as dramatic as that because they did salvage a win on Sunday. But, I mean, after Saturday, I think the writing was pretty much on the wall. So you have San Fran looking ahead to the rest of the week. You got San Fran. I think that's real. I'm pretty sure. I haven't heard too many other people talk about it. That Like, no one's really like, oh, let's, you know, on to San Francisco, like whatever. But I'm fairly sure that's a real thing. So I think it's a Monday 1 o'clock game. They play the Giants for a makeup game rain out earlier in the year. I think it was the series Maton hit the walk-off. I think one of the games in that series got rained out. Um, so I'm pretty sure that's that game. And then after that, you have a three-game set against the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Uh, that is going to be a weirdly intense series, I think. Uh, you have a lot of implications on the line in, the, in Anaheim. Uh, they are, I mean, their fan base, goodness, they're going back and forth every day about – uh, if they're buyers or sellers, right? And they have probably the most prized trade piece maybe in the history of sports. He's a rental, I guess, so maybe that's a little dramatic, but like they they have the golden ticket. 
And they have some other pieces that if they go into sell mode, teams will call uh, about some of these other pieces. And so um, that's going to be a really, really kind of like weirdly intense series for a July series against two teams that aren't in the playoff picture right now because the Angels are trying to be. And um, I don't know. Usually when these teams meet, it's, it's kind of a, a, a decent series, I feel like. Not when I was younger, but like recently, I feel like they've been playing decent ball lately. That's two night games in a, in a day game on Thursday. And then you go into the trade deadline this weekend with a three-game set against the Miami Marlins, who have been terrible since the All-Star break, um, but are very much still in that wildcard conversation as well. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every day. We'll be back tomorrow recapping, I'm pretty sure, a game against the San Francisco Giants. Um, and uh, yeah, I appreciate you all for making us your first listen every day. Go check out Locked On MLB. Sully does a great job. Um, I think that's all I got. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. I'll catch you all tomorrow, baby. Go Tigers. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.